and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. We are rounding out our coverage of the year in movies in 2022 still, and joining me today to talk about RRR, he just took a break from leading his clandestine revolution. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, what's going on? A pleasure to be here. And they just got back from uh, some dance lessons. It's Arjun Call. Arjun, what's going on? Um, I'm, I'm I'm struggling to envision what I would look like doing dance <laughs> you, um, you, you didn't want to jump out there on the Oscar stage with them when they were doing that on the Oscar night? Actually, wait, that Oscar performance was actually a little problematic, wasn't it? Oh, was there like a lot of white people didn't in it? Watch the Oscars live. I still haven't seen the the the, the, the dancing clip. You didn't did not, watch the Oscars live? Did, did they play the Oscars I, no, live I in got, Canada? I got back. I got back that day from India, and I got ready to like, like I it's like I sat down and I got ready to watch it. Like, and I was just so tired, so I was ready to just like watch the Oscars, Oscars and go to sleep. And my TV was, or like my family's TV was disconnected, and I couldn't figure out how to set it back up. Because that was the only thing I turned on for watching watching the Oscars, so I just mm-hmm. watched uh, Taskmaster series fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I'll say this about the Oscars: not a not a bad ceremony. They kept things moving. I actually did like the ceremony, and yeah, RRR, the performance of Natu Natu, it was actually surprisingly good. It was entertaining, but I think they took a little bit of criticism because there were not a lot of like South Asian people in it. You know, um, I, there there were. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't read the full like explanation for the problem. I think that it was mostly that the choreographers were not South Asian. Uh, um, okay. Because like I, I the the scene as it plays out kind of mirrors the film where like there's uh you know two Indian South South Asian men and then a bunch of white people who are trying to mimic them. Like uh, I, it is kind of following though the scene. That as it mm-hmm. plays out in the movie. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I, I didn't look into the nature of the controversy. Uh, oh, well, uh, we, we won't dwell too much on that. It was fun no matter what. I mean, RR should have had more representation at the Oscars, but we can we can save that talk for a little bit later if we want to. Uh, but RRR, also known as uh, Rise, War, Revolt, was uh, unlikely foreign language phenomenon in the theaters in America in 2022. It is a Telugu language movie uh, from the uh, sect of a segment of Indian cinema, cinema, also known as Tollywood. It is directed by S.S. Rajamuli. It, it, it is set in uh, British-occupied India in 1920, and it's three hours and five minutes long. So I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna be as brief as I can, guys, before I throw it to you. But just to kind of briefly set it up, uh, the movie set, starts off when uh, with a governor and his wife. They're in a forest where a, a tribe uh, known as the Gond are there, and the the wife just says, "Hey, I want to take this little girl with me who's artistic. Her name is Molly." And they honestly just toss a coin the way of her family, and they take her away against their will. The guardian of that tribe, his name is Beam. He he is tasked going off to Delhi to save her from these uh, colonizers. And uh, on, on the other end, we get introduced to uh, Raju, a uh, an officer with, within the British Army who is then tasked with going to uh, track down Beam when they find out he is after them. But we learn that he has his own agenda of his own. But we are introduced to him in just honestly one of the best scenes of the movies of the year outside of a police station that Daniel and I, I think, already briefly touched on in our best scenes of the year podcast. And uh, these two men are just on a collision course throughout the rest of the movie. And it is just nonstop fun. Uh, and I promised Daniel we would do an episode on it if I had the privilege of seeing it in a movie theater. I forced myself. 
myself to a theater on at 8.30 on a Wednesday night at a theater that wasn't even the one I always talk about that I live across the street from. It was one that was 25 minutes away from me. And I'm very glad I did it. It was worth it. And once I did that, I was uh, morally bound to do a podcast with Daniel. And I'm very glad Arjun could be with, be here with us as well. Uh, Daniel's already kind of talked about it briefly a couple of times on the podcast. So I want to start with Arjun first, because I actually have no idea how you feel about this movie, Arjun. Because, uh, you know, I just, it's just not, I, I kind of like tuned out a little bit when everyone was seeing it last year in theaters and I didn't watch it till like October. And at that point, uh, us and our friends, it wasn't exactly like at the, uh, something we were all talking about a lot. So I, I really don't know how most people feel about this unless they had it basically besides Daniel. He's like, because he, I, I just knew all along it was his favorite movie of the year. So Arjun, I'm kind of curious. Well, first of all, because Daniel and I were privileged enough to see RR in theaters. I know you didn't. I want to know what, what what the viewing experience was like for you, because uh, I, I became a little more educated when I was talking to Daniel before about this. As I noted at the top, it's Telugu language. But if you watch it on Netflix, they're only putting it on there in uh, the, it's, it's only the Hindu version. And I'm wondering uh, what your viewing experience was like if uh, being able to watch one kind of watch it in that format. And two, I guess. It's it's such a big movie. Let me let me back up for a second. I was telling Daniel like if if you're if you're to put me on the spot because I don't want to put you too broadly on the spot, I would just turn into the Chris Farley show, talking about what I think is awesome here, what I think is awesome there, and uh and and so I I don't want to give you too broad of a starting point because it's like there's just so much to this movie. What I want to ask you, Arjun, was um what was your initial reaction to this film to whatever expectations you had going in, given the way people talked about it? Because I think everyone that I heard talk about it, like Daniel, was just like just overwhelmingly like positive and just like this movie's bonkers. You got to see it. What was your reaction to it based on what you had prepared yourself for going in? I think I saw it pretty late too. So I'd heard about uh, a lot of uh, like, yeah, I saw it on Netflix at home. My viewing experience was, I mean, fun, you know, my parents' TV is decently sized. <laughs> so it wasn't like a theater, but it was, you know, not, not, not a smart fridge either, which was nice. Um, I like how you watch Dunkirk. <laughs> watch Dunkirk on my Fitbit. Um <laughs> To me, there's sort of two sides of it, and one of them is obviously like the the troubling politics side, which I don't think are necessarily as, I mean, okay, it's hard to put a gauge on troubling politics. And while I am certainly more of the population that is, you know, supposed to care about this than the average white person, I think, um, I'm still of a relatively privileged group in like this, this, you know, this context. In general, I think, if you're talking to people from the Indian diaspora, it's like safe to assume that their ancestors were like upper caste because yeah, that is people who have the capital to leave and you know start lives abroad. So like it's it's people aren't wrong in that the politics are like troubling in some ways, but I don't think they wholly like avoid the film's message either. Um, but I did really like the movie. Even I liked it more than I liked a typical like uh, you know the people who I've talked to about this who are like involved in like Indian cinema have said like called it like a masala film masala movie, which is like masala is like a catch-all term for like a lot of like a blend of spices that's often like it's often used for tea or like chai or it's often used for like you know different kinds of masala are used for different cooking but the point is that that it's like it's it's like spiced not necessarily spicy but like spiced and like flavorful so like masala movie is like almost like a popcorn flick, but like crossed with like an event movie, almost like as, as a genre. It's, it's really strange, actually, if you're coming from the film, from the perspective of someone who watches mainly like English language film, where it's like, um, not just Masala movies, but Indian event cinema in general is a lot of, is driven more, I find, by like personalities. Like people, movies will be advertised as guest appearance from like this actor or like 
things will be star vehicles even much more so than uh movies exist as in 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 sort of like western cinema today it's it's really it's it's it's, it's interesting like imagine if top gun maverick was marketed as like guest appearance from miles taylor or something <laughs> <laughs> i've heard i've heard that it, they, they refer to them as kind of heroes right like that's an actual yeah. term used uh for the stars of these films and like this one was like two of the biggest stars in uh you know telugu cinema yeah. with the biggest director in telugu cinema yeah adapting a story that a lot of people know of adapting two stories and, and like you know elements of which a lot of people know of there is no real sort of like equivalent to it in western cinema you can think of like superhero filmmaking kind of but like imagine if there's a dimension more to it than that it's almost like i heard one person say like imagine it as if like in like the early 90s steven spielberg did a historical epic with like sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger and called it sss like it's that big an event movie yeah like sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger starring as george, george washington, washington and uh who was the other big guy big gun then uh what i guess now hamilton Oh, Jefferson. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just listing names in uh, Tom Hooper's best production, HBO's John Adams. Great <laughs> I mean, um, that's a slight on uh, Tom Hooper's uh, great production of Les Miserables and Cats. Okay. So, you know. <laughs> let, let, let me ask Arjun, because I feel I, I, I meant to touch on that when I kind of opened up in that, like, again, I, I loved RR. It was my favorite movie of 2022. But like at the same time, I, I guess... I don't know if I ever actually read that much criticism of it when I did, because I, I literally watched it on my, my my first viewing was not actually ideal. I watched it on my iPad on a flight from uh, Atlanta to Rome, basically. Oh, Atlanta, that is, that is a, that's a long flight. Yeah, someone who did a 12-hour one recently, and I could not do it. I, yeah, it so I guess I had the dub version on an iPad on a flight. Uh, but like, and I, and I still loved it, but like, because I was about to go on a vacation for nine days, I just, I, I, I wasn't in a place to like consume much criticism. And then I had to play catch up at work and move on to other stuff when I got back. So I don't, I don't, and then that was still already months after the movie had gotten out in theater. So I just wasn't reading a lot about it until I had a chance to actually see it. And I, so when I've heard till I, I, I had a chance, like I, I put off watching on Netflix. I honestly just to like help me get through that flight. But um, it worked out well, I guess. But I would just say I didn't really know much of the discourse. I'm and I'm a just like a uh, like a third generation American, basically a, a white guy. Like I, I just wasn't necessarily aware of what some of the politics are that you're referencing. And I'm curious. And then, but then I listened to like uh, NPR's podcast about it today that came out last year, and I was like, oh wow, there's actually like a lot here I was kind of unaware of. So when you say like, oh hey, some of the po movies politics might be a little troubling. I'm wondering if you can comment on that, and then I'll kind of uh, then I want to kind of get Daniel's thoughts on it, kind of because I'm sure it's something he's thought about. Though I've really only heard the things he loves about the movie what do you wait wait because i mean it seems like i don't know if there's like a, a bit of a streak of nationalism that runs through the movie that maybe uh less sophisticated or less educated viewers maybe aren't going to pick up on so what was it that kind of like stood out to you on first glance about like oh maybe these politics could be a little different uh, i think the main thing is just like how it depicts like beam and his sort of like tribe in the movie it's um it's like almost like a noble savage type of trope mm. of, and which which is very in line with how casteism or like the caste system and classism depict quote unquote lower caste people like Beam. And it's it's um it's sort of something that's important to note in the history of like Indian culture. That's one that's not necessarily like um, you know, it's not that this movie commits any specific to um, well, you know, again, I'm not a lower caste, so I should not and like, you know, should not be the one like saying this and like but like it's it's I from my point of view, it doesn't necessarily depict any like specific 
like incidents or something like it doesn't like depict like a like a mass massacre or something like grossly unfavorably or like insensitively or anything it's more like the the overall the overall depiction is something that's important to note with how india has grown under colonialism and under like like again the, the caste system isn't something that would exist in its current form today if not for colonialism right so like a lot of the the the, the inflammatory politics going on in india today have to do with ideas that are very present if you look at our, our like depiction of like whole segments of the population as like like some maybe not subhuman but like illiterate for example like savage when in reality like even was able to read read and write and yeah um, i just didn't speak english also i mean there's not, nothing wrong with that most of us here in america don't speak a second language <laughs> yeah um, it's something that's important to note in the same way that like uh if you talk about I don't know, I'm trying to think of an issue that is similarly as controversial. If you talk about the history of like Israel and Palestine, for example, it is important to note like the Holocaust in like in, in something like in the foundation of Israel. It's not like you can, it's not an issue you can just gloss over in the same way that if you see these things depicted in like Indian cinema, it's a, it's an important thing to note that like this is why and this is in line with like the biases that we expected that Indian cinema has. Because it was founded by members of and is reliant on you know upper caste people and upper caste money and yeah. Well, I, pre- I appreciate the insight on that, Daniel. I guess what I want to ask you because I mean we talked about the high points of the movie when uh, when we did our when we did our top ten podcast we did our best scenes podcast. I want to ask you a different question because we'll get more into the specific action a little bit later on. But I, I saw I saw a conversation going on on Twitter the other day, a, a little bit about RR and a little bit about kind of what it might have going for it that other like mainstream American entertainment doesn't. And I'm curious, let's just say you like you set aside all of the action for a minute. What would you say like is like your favorite part of RR that like sets it apart from like your uh, run of the mill Marvel movie or something like that beyond just like, hey, that action scene was really cool. Well, I, in in talking about my appreciation for the film, I think it's important to also talk about, you know, its place in Indian cinema. I'm not a scholar myself, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen a decent amount of the more blockbuster Indian entertainment, the masala films, as, you know, Arjun pointed out. Uh, and I will admit that a lot of them don't work for me. Um, they throw in a lot of different genres at once and like they don't always tend to work the entire way through maybe the comedy is not that funny or maybe the action is really cut up in a way that i don't really like like they 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 nail the sort of like bigness of the film but they don't really get all those component parts right similarly in american cinema uh you know they get the scale i mean even then not really right like these movies that get made here that are big blockbuster entertainment they don't there's not the same sense of grandiosity that there used to be, I feel, when you watch something like uh, Jurassic Park and you see how carefully Spielberg will build out a scene like the reveal of your first dinosaur or whatever. That magic is sort of gone in uh, studio filmmaking today, uh, I think, you know, for a lot of different reasons. The uh, preponderance of CGI, the uh, the lack of a authorial voice in the filmmaking, studios wanting far more power and control and rushing products to market as quickly as they can. RRR, I think, I've, I've tried to rack my brain for what makes RRR work, whereas a lot of these American and even Indian blockbusters don't for me. 
And I think what it comes down to, well, honestly, that it's just better made, but um, I think it comes down to the fact that there is a level of focus in what the film is trying to do and say uh, that kind of acts as a foundation for all the craziness and lunacy that you see play out. The film is, uh, you know, like it's a big historical action epic, right? But it's also this comedy uh, with featuring these two guys being best friends. And it's also a musical with a bunch of different musical numbers. And it could all get very chaotic very quickly. But the two things that are kind of keeping this film grounded are its anti-colonial narrative and perspective and, you know, the the relationship between these two men, Beam and Raj. So, uh, you know, on the one hand, you know, these are two real life revolutionaries, which I did not know going into the film, uh, who actually did take up arms against the British Empire. Um, well, I, I actually, Arjun, can, can you speak to this a little bit? What is exactly India's like view of like the armed resistance? Because I know that like Gandhi is ten, tends to be held up as like the kind of standard like this is how I mean, these days, certainly in America this is how revolutionaries should comport themselves, you know, peacefully. And, you know, obviously they sand off the edges of that, you know, movement. But um, Arjun, do you happen, could you give a little more insight to how, uh, you know, these two men were viewed and armed resistance viewed against the British? This is also something that's a bit, well, I first want to say in response to like what you were saying before, I think like, I want to clarify that like, I do definitely think that this is, I liked RRR like a like a good deal. I don't I don't want to dismiss them, but like I did like the like the movie a lot, like in spite of it. And I think that it's definitely better than the Masala movies that I've seen. Like it feels more um living and like lived in than like a lot of the a lot of the even Masala movies with excellent or like you know, a lot of big Indian event movies, even with excellent production values, end up looking a lot more artificial than this movie did. Like the production value is really good. I was like really wowed by like like details and like the costumes and like the makeup a lot of the time, which is not something I'm necessarily usually done with in like you know big Indian event in that movies. Like just the artistry and a lot of it was really good. Yeah, and I feel that it had more feeling than a lot of Indian event movies that I've seen do. But um, answering your question at the this is also something that I was I was definitely not super familiar on being like you know Indian like diaspora rather than just like Indian like unfiltered. I know. Mm-hmm there's a lot of sort of overlapping parts of Indian like anti-colonialism that are viewed, have been viewed differently and are viewed differently in the way that they interact separately from just the way that like, you know, like Western culture views India, right? Like Gandhi is, um, was nonviolent, but like he is, so Gandhi isn't worshipped for, not worshipped, isn't revered necessarily by the same people who, are responsible for advancing some of the more problematic aspects of like, you know, the stuff in RR, like casteism and stuff, because Gandhi was nonviolent. But Gandhi also arguably from more so than a few other like Indian resistance leaders supported caste politics and supported mm. Hindu fundamentalism, even though he was nonviolent. And there were armed resistance people who were ardently against caste pol- politics who were you know, armed and um, the um, so it adds. It's sort of like it adds another dimension. Yeah, it adds. It adds, it adds another dimension. Like it, it, something can be like there are movements that look at armed resistance that are intensely pro caste, right. uh, that are positive and negative for armed resistance. There are, you know, 
movements that are anti-caste, that are pro-armed resistance. There are movements that one of my, you know, most, one of the Indian, early Indian politicians that I most admire, B.R. Um, Ambedkar, who was, Ambedkar was uh, ardently anti-caste and armed resistance. Well, he was pro-armed resistance or something, but at the time of like, you know, India being established as a republic, he was non, he was ardently non-violent. So that puts him aligned at least somewhat against in some ways against Gandhi, but also against, you know, people who are pro-armed resistance right up mm. until the end, right? It's um it's another lens of class politics to look at look at it, that. Because especially because people who are upper caste could could be afford to be more pro-armed resistance, right? Like you mm-hmm. could, you know, you had arms. You, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So like, yeah. Uh, well it, it I again I don't know too much about like, you know, these two men in in Indian history, truthfully, but in, in the context of the film, uh, I do appreciate the fact that, like, you know, in taking such a staunchly anti-colonial stance, which now, as you described, the the conflicting narratives of, like, casteism and, and all that within the, uh, the actual, like, anti-colonial movement, I realize the film probably streamlines and sands off a lot of that yeah, context. Yeah, streamlining isn't necessarily, you know, like, I, I still think the movie really honestly does carry off, like, its anti-colonial theme, like, well. Mm-hmm. Like it is, and that's part of why I think it's, I find it distinct from like, you know, a regular Masala movie or something. Because there's an actual perspective being advanced, whereas a lot of these are more, they're more like light entertainment where, and and this one does, and I think also charter in far more explicitly right-wing politics, which I'll get into my views on that, you know, in a bit, but like. Daniel loves this. Like like, like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers movie, Mm -hmm. which is like. I think is a really fun and interesting and good movie with a fantastic Tim Blake Nelson performance that is at times unfathomably racist. Yeah. Like it is like, you know, but that's that a part of American this doesn't excuse it. I think the Cohen brothers think this does excuse it, which if you want to come on the podcast and dispute this, Joel and or even Cohen, if you're talking about that, <laughs> Yes, the Cohen's have an open invitation to the podcast. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. making that clear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're listening, and if either of you are talking right now, hey, there they actually are. I think they're set to direct something uh, together. They're talking. Yeah, I think again. so. I think oh, so. I, I didn't realize they were getting back together. No, I, I thought Ethan was still like working on his first like solo directorial thing. Yeah, I think I think I think it premiered. The I mean, you know, he's still working on his first narrative, but they they had a doc that already came out on Jerry Lee yeah. Lewis. But anyways, anyways. He's making just to spite Joel. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, no, I, I, I do think that like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm getting a little sidetracked here. What makes this movie work? Um, beyond the anti-colonial theme, it is also really the fact that there is two very distinct and well-defined characters at the center, that being Raj and Beam. Uh, you know, Beam is, you know, defined as like a sort of, I mean, and this is where we get into the, I guess it's hard to talk about this without getting into the politics of it. So um, Beam is from the Gand tribe, which, uh, you know, the depiction of them, yes, it, from my understanding, is very paternalistic. Uh, like Arjun said, it, you know, it's very much noble, savage connotations. And, you know, yes. not... Yeah, not cool in the context of real life. I, I absolutely. I will say that in the context of an action movie, you know, he is portrayed as somebody who is relatively of comes from simple means and comes from a simple way of life, but is actually, you know, as ferocious and as tenacious 
and as commanding and powerful as anybody in the city. You know, I, that again, not to excuse the kind of rewriting of history and the sanding down of like the complexities of Indian culture, but it is, it, it does make for a very dynamic character. You know, he's a very soft spoken gentleman by nature. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, when pushed, he had, he ends up becoming an absolute you know, beast on the battlefield. Um, and, and meanwhile, Raju is, you know, a far more outwardly passionate and ferocious person pretending to be like an agent of, you know, uh, a British authority, but is a little more complex in that trying to undermine it and watching these two sort of interact and watching their dueling sort of personalities and philosophies conflict and uh, define each other. Like it is, it does make for a far more uh, gripping narrative than you normally get from films like this. And, and that goes down to even like the visual storytelling of the film. Something as simple as just identifying Raju with fire, the element of fire, and identifying uh, Beam with the element of water. Uh, at the end, when uh, Raju finally casts off his, you know, uh, policeman's uniform and dresses in, you know, uh, in a, in a far more, I, I don't know how to put it, uh, uh, traditional garb, I suppose. Um, you know, representing the sort of casting off of British colonialism. Uh, and an embrace of Indian uh, heritage. Now, of course, all of this is couched in the sort of right-wing politics of, you know, British, I mean, Indian society today, um, I gather. I remember in the theater for the first time seeing that final, like, uh, dance number where they've got the Indian flag waving and all these heroes. And in my head, I'm like, there's probably something problematic here that I don't understand. Um, But uh, ultimately, these two characters are kind of what sell the film. Well, we should we should note since we've now talked around them a little bit, and I'm glad you highlighted them when I asked you to talk about stuff aside from the action, which we will get to in a second. You should say Beam is played by N.T. Rama Rao Jr. and Raju is played by Ram Charan, who, uh, who who I've come to learn are like actually very big deals in the Tollywood cinema, but like had never actually appeared on screen together before. Like independently, we're just like both big stars. So it was a big deal that they got them together for this. And I would agree with Daniel, like you really do get get a pretty good sense for like who these guys are and I should say as I, I was noting the daniel origin before you, before we before you got onto the zoom a lot happens in like the first hour and 10 minutes of this movie and then and then you actually kind of dive backwards and you learn more about raju but like i mean they very efficiently especially considering the fact that he's not really in those first two scenes and uh but you really feel for him by the time he like sees molly back at the governor's house which happens at about exactly the hour 10 minute mark like you are really really invested in uh being by that point like he just gives a really great performance and uh you are really really engaged with him and and which is like i said given that he's not in those first two scenes and then the, the one where you here introduced to him i mean it's an incredible scene and uh what, what whatever uh you want to say about the animation quality of the animals involved in the first place uh but like really you're not really actually hearing him really converse all that much for like the at least the first few scenes of the movie like it's it does a really good job of like getting you invested in him as a character and the movie obviously does a lot of work in the second half of the movie to like get you there with uh get you there with raju as well so it's all the more powerful when all the revelations ultimately happen uh later on i think i asked daniel to kind of like talk big picture and i think my big picture thought on it is like yeah it's anchored by these two great performances but like heck even if like 
like the movie would still be uh, worth the price of admission several times over, even without them, just because like the action is that kick ass. And I'm curious, Daniel, I'm sure you would, uh, I'm sure you would like learned a little bit going in, obviously before you saw the movie, but like, as we often talk about on the podcast, uh, you are one of the tougher critics out there of people I talked to you about, like, you know, about, about action in movies. And I, I know you said you, you, you wouldn't necessarily have considered yourself like a, a scholar in Indian cinema going in, even if you'd seen some stuff, I'm not sure how much of what you had seen before really was like how much of it was focused on action, if at all. And I'm wondering, given what you did know about Indian cinema going in, you, you love the movie a lot. So obviously like it, it kind of met your standards, but I'm kind of curious, like what really kind of took you off guard as you like came into this, knowing what you already what little you already knew about it with respect to the action and what scenes like have really stuck with you the most. So I actually have seen, you know, more Indian action films than, than most Americans, mm-hmm. I think, which still means like, I don't know, like 10, sure. but like you, you've definitely like, you definitely watch like more like, yeah, Indian action scenes. Like you've seen most of his other movies, right? Roger movie? No, I've only seen one other, uh, Ega, okay. which I saw afterwards is- and I thought was great, but um, well, that is where I'm at with Rajamouli. So okay, I mean, yeah. Okay, well there we go. Um, but um, you know, I've seen a, a couple of Indian action movies, and truthfully, like they, even though they are very action focused, I mean, you know, they're three hour epics with a bunch of dance numbers, but you know, they do place some importance on the action set pieces. But often they're going to be terribly cut. Often, like, you know, there's not a ton of choreography because even though these are action stars, they're not necessarily martial artists. They're using a lot of techniques like speed ramping and slow-mo in ways that I I, I think personally, like, kind of break up the rhythm of the thing. It does sell the idea that these are very strong, powerful men, but they often, I think, fall flat as, as action films, including films from last year that uh, other people did quite like, like Vikram. This is one of the reasons why it took so long for me to get to RRR, actually. Um, I had been hearing about it vaguely, but I was like, oh, I don't want to see another big Indian action movie that's going to disappoint me. But I kept seeing five-star ratings from all the action people I trust. And I was like, all right, fine. I go in and the second scene is this huge, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's this huge set piece um, where, you know, uh, Raju is like at a police station and there's a riot going on and somebody throws a Molotov or throws a rock, actually, I think it was at the the captain. And so, and he says across this sea of like hundreds of people, he says, I want that man arrested. And whereas everybody else, um, like is scared at one point, the fence that the protesters are sort of like fighting against it buckles and everyone falls down and only Raj stands there with the fire <laughs> lighting him behind him like it's it's an incredible like uh tone piece and like i i should say this is where um rajamuli i think really shines and shows what he brings to these sorts of films he is a very influenced by western cinema i think perhaps more so than other directors i'm not so sure on that but he grew up on like the epic american films like you know ben hur and uh, he brings that sort of sensibility, that sort of like clearness in, in uh, defining these characters visually and keeping the action clear and, you know, showing a, get, showing a really great appreciation of the scale of these set pieces. He brings all that here in a way that I think a lot of other films are lacking. So, 
you know, whether it's uh, Raju going through like a crowd of hundreds of people in order to get one man and, you know, watching him get bloodied and beaten, but still persevering through sheer strength of will. Or whether it's, you know, the action set piece where, you know, Raju's fighting beam and, uh, you know, like they're like two superheroes going at it, idly tossing, you know, each other and like fire hydrants and using them as weapons. Uh, at one point, Raju like grabs like a pit of fire and uses it as like a tonfa and bashes a tiger's face in. And each moment is just perfectly edited. It's perfectly paced. He, he shows a real understanding of like establishing the stakes and the goals of the participants in an action set piece and, you know, just showing the action. Let me ask then, because uh, you mentioned like some of the superhuman feats you see with throughout their uh, action scenes. When you're watching different types of action movies that are not superhero movies, is there ever a point at which like you're annoyed if you have to suspend disbelief at the uh, feats at which the individuals are accomplishing when whether it be like one person against a hundred or some of the scenes where you see these guys jump like really 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 high uh, like does that bother you at all or do you just never do you never care if anything like that could be even considered unrealistic in a non-superhero movie as long as it is like technically really put off well well it's complicated I think that it really does depend on the film hmm. and like how well the filmmaking goes how far the filmmaking goes in selling you on this world and its internal rules like i mean like i watch a ton of wuxia cinema like people are flying all over the place mm. you know like and that doesn't bother me it does bother me if i'm watching uh let me think let me think of an example fast and furious right a little bit where it's like a, a knowable mock drama but also <laughs> yeah i mean there i think it might liven things up but um i i actually do think that um there's something to be said about like uh keeping things grounded in an action set piece of course but it's not necessarily because i want things to be realistic um but it's because I want things to be consistent with the world that's being presented. The, the RRR is a very heightened world. Uh, this the filmmaking craft, even outside of the action set pieces, is you know very big. That is very uh, you know visually dynamic. You know, Arjun pointed out that this movie feels big um, in a way that a lot of you know American films and other Indian films don't. And in selling you that scale that, yeah, you do believe that these men are capable of pretty much anything, even if, you know, clearly, you know, no man is able to jump 10 feet in the air and punch a tiger in the face with a pit of fire. But it's about selling you that world. And I think this film, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd love to see it. And to be clear, if I wanted to, I could too. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that, uh, it, it doesn't really create any disconnect from me, especially because I remember in the group chat, us we were, we were all having a conversation about whether RRR could be defined as like kitched or camp. And I don't think it can be because, I mean, this is just how mainstream films are made in, in India. Um, not as not to this level of quality, in my opinion, but, um, you know, Masala, the Masala film has existed in Indian camp. cinemas. Who called camp again? It was it's that was Josh. That was that was that was Josh Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that it just yeah, sort of yeah, it's it does kind of speak to a sort of Western perspective because of course in a Western film, if you see a dance number in the middle of a big action movie, or if you see like you know a guy fight a tiger, 
or like a, a guy jump out of a car that's flipping, grab a gun in midair and shoot. Like it in America is played for kitched, is played for camp, like over the top. But like in it's earnest. India, yeah, there's an earnesty to the film that and also it's just it's just literally how the, the, the cinematic language of this 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 uh, this country it's just embedded in how they tell these stories. Um, I'm willing to bet, and Arjun, maybe you could speak to this a little bit, but like, I'm willing to bet that a lot of, you know, just traditional mythology does play a part in how these people are played. Like, I know that in Indian mythology, there's like, you know, tons of this sort of like people capable of these tremendous feats, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like a central portion of like the Ramayana's like, Hanuman lifts a, Hanuman most recently seen as a chant from M'Baku in Black Panther, Wakanda forever, for some reason. Um, yeah, he, doesn't Hanuman pop up in a couple different mythologies? Am I mistaken on that? There's like, it's one of these, it's one of these stories that's like very common across multiple, like, you know, right, right next to like Hanuman and the story of like lifting a mountain and guiding a human through like the mountains. You can find like Sun Wukong, who's the, from mm. Journey to the West, the classical Chinese text, which is like exactly the same story. I think down to basically like the the moving a mountain part. He does that too, kind of like it's it's uh yeah. Um, but like you know, a lot of Indian stories, even if you are, I mean, I'm not a religious studies person. I'm sure a religious studies person, uh, you know, scholar could make a much better point of me than this. I'm sure Benson can make a much better point of me than this. But like, <laughs> if you look at look, looking at like you know Hindu like classical Hindu stories and stuff, it's it's um. Yeah, like rather than Abrahamic religions being being rooted in like almost like the power of God being demonstrated through acts, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, like for example, are more are way more about like you know the power of people, like the power of people doing or like you know people or figures doing fantastical things. That, like that's very much doing... like in 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 Greece, like the the concept of I think it's called arete, a r e t e. Am I not? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, like, you know, You're just the capability right. of, yeah, the capability of people to do grand acts. And yeah, I do think that though, like all that does inform like the popular cinema and, you know, of, of, of India versus like in America, like, I don't know, like there's, there's less of that. There's a little less of Even that. Even like, you know, like popular cinema that is about, um, and for part of the reason that I think RR feels more lived in than, you know, not just a lot of. Indian action epics, but a lot of like Indian, you know, action epics from the West and like general today. It's about Hindu mythology in a way that is like actually about like I remember we were talking about Immortals. Because Gage was talking about Immortals, one of four movies that he likes. And um, <laughs> um he um lots of in jokes on this episode. Yeah. If the Coens are listening, you're gonna have to sit and, uh, <laughs> keep up. That's a joke just for Joel, by the way. Um, <laughs> um we were talking about like Immortals and how Immortals like, okay, it, Still don't think it's a great movie, especially when The Fall is like an incredible movie. But um, Immortals almost feels like a retelling of like a myth. The same in the same way, RRR is distinctly about like Hindu mythology. Like it's about like, um, like it, it's a movie that exists to convey the idea that like this mythology is about like people committing these like implausible like acts through presumably like the power of like revolt or the power of like revolution or whatever it is. But, like in in that fight scene where one of them is running around on the other's shoulders. You don't question that for like a second. You're just like, oh yeah, this feels inevitable. Yeah, this is the only way this was going to go down. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. like, yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This movie is about people performing these kind of and being, maybe not being inspired, but like inspiring, like you know, 
yeah, like performing these implausible like acts because it's part of the mythology, and that is, and the movie does really succeed in that. I think it 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 gets that across really well. Like uh, you know, even in like the more esoteric stories in like Hindu mythology, like the Mahabharata and stuff, is there are versions of the Mahabharata that are literally like that are very much like everything, everywhere, all at once, where it's like someone has shown their other possible lives and um for example that happens to my namesake in the Mahabharata and he chooses to shoot his friend in the face because of how he's shown that it could go down in other lives but this is kind of it's all and it's all centered around the tragedy of one person committing this act rather than the power of the god like the power of the gods is very it's, it's inhumans mm-hmm. people so that is uh something that rr gets across very well i think if someone did decide to make a sort of modern good uh, retelling of Hindu mythology the same way that someone, well, Alex Proyas tried and failed to make Gods of Egypt or something. It <laughs> didn't they? Like... Didn't they have like a, a Hindu film like Bra Brahmastra or something like that last year? That I've heard only bad things about. Truthfully, but you know, hey, they tried. Like in the Western, like the like, no, 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 uh, India. Like it was a it uh, was a Hindu language film. I have not heard of that, but admittedly, Indian cinema goes way too fast for me to keep up with. <laughs> like it, the scale of that like yep brahmastra part one shiva yeah like i don't know how many parts they'll have um <laughs> i think it made money. way too many parts there could be yeah this is this could go to my dinner with, my dinner with andre part part seven <laughs> thank god i had initially meant to jump in when arjun was talking about them uh fighting on each other's shoulders because I, I i'd given daniel the i'd given daniel the opportunity to kind of to make whatever points he wanted to in the action but i was kind of curious how you felt about that arjun I know, not, not neither of us are, are are as big of action fans as daniel is but i'm wondering are there other are there any other action sequences in the movie that have like stuck with you more than any other like i mean we could literally like spend all day just being like that moment this movie was cool <laughs> I, this I moment just wanna, the movie was cool i just want to point out that um i have it playing on the tv as we talk and yes. just now a bunch of animals just jumped out of a truck. That's like one of the shots. He jumps out with two flaming clubs. <laughs> I, I would still maintain that the uh, police station uh, scene is the scene of the year, but the animals jumping out may very well be like the frame of the year in cinema. Uh, I, I, but I'm, I'm curious, Sergeant, because like, hell, we didn't even talk about the uh, the sequence over the bridge yet. You know, like there's just so many different places oh, you could take with this movie. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Where, where, where Beam and Raj first meet. So it's a very important scene. And there's just so much to talk about this movie that we didn't get there yet. But I'm wondering, Arjun, when you think back about this movie, is there any kind of sequence you're like, yeah, that was really sick. Like that might have been like uh, my favorite action sequence I've seen in cinema in the last year. This, this is, I don't know, this is like a weird one to pick, but like the opening, however long it is before the credits roll. And I like the title drop, but I'm pretty sure it's like half an hour. It's 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. No, it might it might be after the scene where they meet. The, the scene that sold me on the movie is the first, um, like him, like 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 the the wolf tiger scene. I love that they acted like Roger really actively tries to frame it so that you see Beam's whole body. Like it's mm. not like a shot of like a leg hitting like the ground or something every, and then you see one shot of like Beam running every like five shots or something. It is like actually. You know, as a consequence, you see not just the way that like Beam is like running and stuff like stereotypical good action, but you see the way that the way that like Beam is like Beam is like established as a character and like that scene and the way that like you know he's connected to like the world around him and like like his his you know I want to say the earth, but that's very like hackneyed and like the natural the natural world almost like this movie is very conscious of the time place it's like not just like colonialism but like industrialization as well mm-hmm. and. I, I I like the parallel that like out, out, out of their two big like solo fight scenes like Beams is like or not like fight scenes but like like the, the their introductory segments yeah like um Rama Rajan's like is is like him like almost fighting through the the jungle of like people 
Yeah, like master people and like five million normal people and like Beams is like him against nature. Yeah, but like but not, not not against necessarily, but like yeah. as a part of it. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it, yeah. Like you've said it better than I can. Like yeah, taming nature and becoming part of like nature and you know, but still in a cool badass. This is so cool. <laughs> He's still yeah. an action hero, but yeah. rather than the kind that willingly like throws himself like into a sea a throng of angry people who want to tear him limb from limb he's the kind that will you know fight (laughs) fight an inhuman uh beast Mm -hmm. and still have a moment of intimacy or connection with it at the end like i think he thanks him for what he's gonna do with him yeah which is why like i i don't think that the cast criticisms wholly reflect like i there is a little bit I'm willing to forgive with the movie because I think that this movie does recognize that like beams, it, it recognizes stuff about like indigenous ways of knowing and how those are valuable ultimately. Mm-hmm. Like it does, yes, it does dismiss beam as like kind of you know illiterate, but like yeah, they they portray him as a hick, you know. Yeah, but you know what the hick time the hick ways get their due as well, kind of. Like. <laughs> I, I will say to that, um, there's you know sorry that we're jumping around so much here, but like. I th- I've been thinking a lot about like how the film treats Beam. And I, honestly, I, I hate to say it, but it reminds me a little bit of Green Book. And it, here's why. Specifically, <laughs> <laughs> whether you're going to say like Driving Miss Daisy or something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So, the we, reason- and everyone, just for context, Daniel loves Green Book. <laughs> yeah. You could hear us talk about it and me just going on about gushing about how much I love. It. No, I really do hate Green Book. But, um, and it sucks that I have to compare it to that. But um, uh, let me give you this. Uh, once I went to a, an African history, African American history museum here in Orlando. Um, it was in a hotel that, or former hotel that used to be on the Green Book, you know, uh, as a place that African Americans could stay. Um, I went there in like 2000, early 2020, maybe, or late 2019. And I talked to the woman who was there for a long time. She was also black. And we just talked about, you know, in, in part, like how much we didn't like Green Book. And while we're talking, this gaggle of like 40-year-old women from Australia who are in town for a conference come in and they're like, oh, yeah, no, we were very interested to learn about the history and blah, 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 because we learned that this was on something called the Green Book, which we learned about in this movie Green Book. Have you heard of it? And it was a moment where I was like, look, as much as I hate how that film kind of deals with race relations in such an old fat like completely lacking the perspective of you know actual black people and as much as as problematic as that film is it it did get a it did get a bunch of women who would have otherwise not given a shit about black history into an actual museum on their off time to learn about it so you know i'm not saying this necessarily to excuse it but the fact is you know you gotta i i at least have to give credit to the fact that sometimes a film as problematic as it might be can do a little bit of good. And in this case, I do think that, um, you know, the fact that this is a film that is such a towering technical achievements that is so emotional, that actually does have at least good anti-colonial politics, um, I think does speak to something like, I, I think that it's, you can't entirely dismiss it. Also, if you're an American and you like action movies, if you like, you know, Top Gun Maverick, 
I mean, can't be too hypocritical, right? <laughs> like, you know, I, I think action cinema in particular deals with a lot of right wing politics with a lot of like less than stellar, like ways they represent other people. And, you know, I think that it's important to contend with that and to, you know, talk about it and call it out when we see it. But also we can still appreciate these films for what they do. And uh, I think that's the case with RRR. I, th- I think that's I think that's pretty well said. One thing we didn't talk about that I was kind of curious to ask about was uh, if you had any feelings about the, if you guys had any feelings about the music in the movie, be, be, even beyond Not To Not To, which we didn't really talk about yet. Because, you know, I think an interesting thing where you're uh, when, when you're if you're just like kind of listening closely and how it's kind of repeating itself some like they have this they have this song going on in the background throughout that's kind of like providing narration for the movie at the same time. I'm wondering like what that did, what that did is you were like watching the movie, Daniel, if you had any feelings on that or any other ways in which the movie incorporated its score or its music, or even if you want to, if you want to talk about not to, not to though, we kind of talked about the beginning. I'm not sure what else to say other than like, it's a fucking blast. I I, I want to say first that one thing that I think every single Indian film that I've seen in theaters has gotten right is sound design. Hmm. Like, these- oh yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because like that was one of the things that probably was most enhanced by my theater experience. For a second, I was like confused because it, it was actually really different in theaters because of that. Yeah, no, genuinely, like what's the reason why I kept insisting that you go see it yeah. in theaters is that it is just so bombastic like every single and this is true of every single solitary indian film that i've seen in theaters whether it be um hit the second case whether it be kantara whether it be beast whether it be liger or vikram every single one without fail just absolute wall of sound uh, that is absolutely selling you on how big this thing is um you know movies with like 20 million dollar budgets sound more incredible more bombastic more more of an event than any like big budget i I think including something like top gun maverick which has you know incredible sound design um it just it completely enhances you know the experience of these films and rr is no exception uh and I should say that, like, you know, I'm not a musician, so I can't really comment on the quality of, like, the score and what it's doing. I will say that it it's certainly like the 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 ho, 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 the orchestral. I don't know what you'd call it, the chanting and such. Um, all that kind of just creates this atmosphere of a modern day epic, um, a modern day myth uh, in the making. And I, I, I thought it was incredibly powerful. It was one of my favorite scores of the year. And of course, then you get to the musical numbers, which generally are always going to be like pretty good, even in the more ho-hum Indian films that I've seen. I've usually quite liked the musical numbers. And here, you know, it's not just not to not to, which we can talk about at length, because that's kind of like the, the big one that people remember. But um, early on, there is the friendship song where it's just a montage of, Raj and and uh, and Beam becoming friends. It is yet to be seen if this friendship will end in bloodshed. Is uh, <laughs> yeah, the lyrics are just <laughs> yeah, the lyrics are just kind of telling you what's what's going right. on. But, <laughs> but it it is rather charming. It fits with the idea yeah. that like these are, this is a very charming scene of these two men kind of bonding with each other. But it also is kind of um, visually telling you that uh, you know there's like a a wonderful little shot of like the two men walking with uh with uh, the camera going in between this barbed wire that is 
separating the two of them is one of those shots are like clearly like the C that I think they would have to CG in the uh, the wire. But like, you know, it's the kind of thing like how do we visually impart the distance between the two of them? And yeah, you have the score telling you, <laughs> I think that's the shot where they're like, will they ever find out that they're on opposite sides? Um, but, you know, it, it just it just clicks. It all just kind of works in concert with each other. And uh, it also is like a montage where like, you know, you're seeing the two of them go about their work, you know, beam looking for his sister and Raju, like, you know, trying to find this uh, dissident that he had been charged with finding by the, uh, you know, the, the British police. It's, it's honestly like it, 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 that was a moment where I was like, if the action did not sell me, which it absolutely had like this, definitely told me that i was in assured set of hands arjun what about you did you have any feelings on how this movie incorporated the music or just any any feelings about something like that not too not too sequence which i mean is like again and like you could say it about five different things in this movie another one of the scenes of the year i know you said you didn't uh get to the oscars but like that's the one thing that this movie got recognized for i'm wondering like how you felt about how this movie kind of utilized uh either whether it be sound or music because it, it Daniel commented on both the sound design too. Did you, and again, like I noted, it's a little different when you're watching on TV versus in a theater, but what did, was there anything you picked up on in that regard that enhanced your viewing experience? A lot of why I like really liked that this movie like felt lived in is because of like the sound design or like the reason, like I think, you know, especially with uh, anything to do with beam or like the beginning of the prison, like the, the when they escape the, the jail, there's a sense of like, even it's it's evident from like watching on the TV, like you know, the sound design like makes this presumably like like small set. I mean, it's not a real jail. I presume they didn't film it. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like, but like the sound design really makes this, this seem like something that's like not just like an eye, like like not just like an iron, like hard, you know, like jail that they've been placed in, but also like this imposing structure, like they're sort of like fighting their way like through it, like almost like the raid style, or like they're gonna have to like if they want to get out, like the sound design makes it clear that like this is in, like it makes it isn't into like the structure of colonialism almost. Like um or like you know like the the stuff that Beam does or a lot of the stuff that he carries or like you know you know you can hear like the wood of like the stuff like the ornaments that he's wearing or like his club sort of like rattling against each other you can hear like the slide of his like like the wool like not the wool but like the more traditional like clothing as opposed to like the you know Ronald Rogers like cleaning cut like cleanly cut like uniform which like it's 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 that like addition of like those kind of sound design tricks which make the movie feel like lived in and this is like a weird comparison I don't know what else to compare it to because this is the first thing on my mind when it comes to like comparing it to like similarly like good uh, set focused town sound design is um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, mm. which like really made the house feel lived in with really good sound design because it like things creaked and like the way that they offset certain sounds like go off at certain, it felt like it was just like, you know, like I remember like those bits in Little Women where like Emma Watson or like Sir Sharon and puts like an object down and it like echoes, not echoes, but it, like the way that it like this wooden something hits this wooden countertop is just like, like it's like almost like someone like knocking on a door. Like you feel like it's lived in. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you're saying really makes sense. Like I, I don't even know if I necessarily have any one single part of the movie that, uh, that necessarily like jumps out to me. I haven't watched it. I haven't really watched any of it in two weeks at this point, but I it's it's been more for me but like beam like i'm trying to remember what i'm thinking of it's like beams like clubs no, I, or something right? I, oh like, i get what, right? i don't know i get what yeah. you mean though because like i i felt like i was pretty 
immersed in a way I'm not always am when I go, when I see something in a theater, like it just, it felt like it, it, I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of the detail that they have with respect to any given sound at any given moment. It did really make you feel like you were, you were in it in a way. And again, a different experience. I saw it in the theater, but you didn't, but like, I think it's really gave it, it really gave everyone a really good sense of place in the way it utilized all that. Um, well, I wanted to actually point out that like the second half of the film is far more dramatic than the first half. Yeah, I we think. didn't really and, talk about the flashbacks to Raju's past and just the revelation of what's going on with him, which is just a big narrative turning point in the film. Yeah, I went in, like I said, I went into this film not knowing anything about it. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that like this was going to be about two revolutionaries fighting the British Empire, two real life revolutionaries. So I, I watched this like, assuming that these were two fictional characters i'm not gonna lie so like uh you know i i already kind of got the sense that like these two would be on the same team like i I, it just didn't ring true to me that like you know what i'm saying is that i knew that i figured that like it wasn't a reveal to me to find out that like i think mostly because the film just does a good enough job selling me on this character that i just i genuinely just couldn't believe that he would be a full-throated agent of the British Empire. So the, the flashbacks, I've heard some people not really enjoying. And I'll admit that it's probably the part of the film that kind of lags the most. But in kind of like establishing the kind of emotional stakes for Raju and why this is so important to him, why he would be willing to betray his best friend uh, for this cause, Um I, I do think that it is effective. And also it features um, Singham himself. Uh, I forgot what's the name of that actor. Uh, Ajay Devin. Ajay Devin. Yes. Um, I have no idea how big a star he is in India, but I will say that the first Masala movie I ever saw was Singham Returns 2014. So I, I, he all has a special place in my heart. And, uh, you know, the last, the second half is where it becomes far more melodramatic, where it becomes far more uh, in line with the sort of epics that S.S. Rajamuli takes inspiration from. I believe that he has said uh, multiple times that um, his one of his most influ- one of his favorite filmmakers is, uh, you know, the Rewind's uh, favorite, uh, Mel Gibson. Mm. And uh, I have not actually seen any of the films that Mel Gibson has directed, so I can't comment on that. Can you guys see that in his? I mean, you definitely can in the um, the musical segment that is pretty much just redoing the Passion of the Christ. But I can't. I've, I've actually never seen the Passion of the Christ. Hmm. I, I think R is better than any movie Mel Gibson has made. <laughs> Okay, this um, is coming from someone who hasn't seen The Fat Man. Well, <laughs> well I, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, are we talking about ones he's directed or ones he's been a part of? Because that's a very different conversation because of The Fat Man. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> then you'd have to be, then you'd have to put RRR against Get the Gringo. And that, ooh, that's a fight. Maybe I should buy a bootleg RRR like Daniel did. And then that way, the two movies I own will be RRR and The Fat Man. That would be, I feel like that would just be a fun, uh, a fun fact about me. I could just have, you know? Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so like, yeah. The, but the second half is far more indebted to those sorts of war epics and uh, it's far more serious and dramatic. And I still quite like it because it's not that, um, you know, Rajamuli has slowed down in his approach to the filmmaking. He's still as dynamic. It's still like every individual scene is still cut impeccably it still looks just as gorgeous. I love this one. Like I, I love, a, like there will be like a moment. You know, as as much as like Dow, as dour as it is, there will be a moment where, like for example, after Raju has been found out and is arrested, the the 
governor goes to see him in his cell and they're all talking about how, oh, he's going to be defeated. We haven't fed him in two weeks. And then they go and turn the corner to his cell and he's doing pull ups on the chains. <laughs> and there's that. The score, it's just so much. It's, it's exhilarating. You know, he never loses sight of the focus of, you know, the, the, the passion behind these two characters. And it's reflected in the filmmaking. Yeah, no, I would agree with you in that, like, uh, I was probably one of those people that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say I was critical of the part where uh, of the flashbacks and necessarily I, I I was very engaged throughout most of it when I watched it the first time. It's just the second time that was the one part where it did like lose me a little bit. But again, it was well after 10 on a, a, a 10 p.m. in a dark theater on a day where I'd woken up at 545 to exercise before I went to work. So it was just a long day. And if it's if there's ever going to be like if you're at a movie theater that late and one, one part of a movie even drags a little bit. That's just an occupational hazard. So uh, I, I but, but like I, I think the stuff is still it's all objectively very well done still. It's just like, you know, hey, like it's well acted. The the action scenes are pretty intense with the um, what is it? Point, hold, shoot or what, what is the what are the, what are the order? aim? Uh, oh, shoot. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, it's great. So I mean, I, it's, yeah, again, if there's one part of the movie that's maybe a little slow, if there's any one demerit, I would give it. Maybe it's just that it takes a minute to get to that point right there where that stuff is just incredibly tense and well done. But like, again, if that's the worst thing you can say about a movie, there's a reason it was uh, both you and I's favorite movie of the year. Like it's it's just that solid all the way across the board. Arjun, well, did you have any feelings about the uh, just about where the move, movie went narratively in the second half and how how to what extent you were engaged, whether it be with the whether it be with where they ultimately like kind of where it gets to with respect to uh being like being a prisoner versus uh then versus then Raju ending up there how did you how did you kind of feel about like this how it kind of told the story of these two guys who like Daniel said he kind of suspected they were going to kind of end up on the same side but how did you feel it told their story in a way that felt compelling even if it might have been I don't know slightly predictable admittedly is like a quite like a box box standard narrative mm-hmm. it, it, it does with the whole like you know Sorry, I got distracted by the cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> does, does Zelda have some RR takes? What do you think, Zelda? What do you have? What takes do you have? <laughs> what if it just started talking with like the voice of Orson Welles <laughs> and, and didn't like it? <laughs> Say something. Come on. There we go. Nice. Same. That's highly offensive, actually, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say I I wouldn't have made like the choice that the movie makes like just put them together and like make the whole like back it's not the whole back half of the movie that's one long fight sequence like but it's basically like you know a good portion of it is like jumping from like like they're finally together so they can just like they just like jump from like fight to fight sort of for a while or, like an you know, action sequence not fight but like action sequence to action sequence for a while and it's like it's not that I wouldn't wouldn't have done that differently but I always preferred the momentum that the film was building in the first half with like setting them up and like you know if you feel like i would say like i kept thinking sort of this when i was like watching it and like when i was like like trying like making notes and when i watched it like before but like you 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 feel in the first half you feel the weight of like colonialism on the viewers like shoulders like it's it's you feel like the weight of this this whole world that colonialism is destroying and you feel sort of like the tragedy of it and like i i sort of i i don't like it's not that the weight isn't there anymore. It's sort of like I would have probably structured it differently if I was making a movie, but I'm not making a movie. And I really like, you know, I do actually I quite like the way that Roger really shoots action and frames action. And I like, I wasn't not entertained by the back half. 
I would push back a little bit. I do think that the specter of colonialism, if anything, becomes less of a specter in the second half. I think that that's where like the brunt of it really cracks down. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much like, uh, you know, Beam has now been Beam is, you know, at first Beam is captured and tortured, which I should point out that um, as as kind of bog standard as that is like, you know, he's the heroic bloodshed stuff where like he's being whipped in the in the courtyard where everybody looks on and he inspires everybody. It, it still becomes resonant because just, again, the command of film craft, the rhythm, the there's a storytelling uh, there's a story being told in that one scene, you know, at first, you know, yeah. Raju is like trying to be as, as light on him as possible while still maintaining the masquerade. But then, you know, the, the, you know, uh, he's told, no, do it harder, do it harder. And like, you see the kind of war between what he wants and what he needs to do within him. Meanwhile, you know, beam is trying to be as resilient as possible. Uh, at a certain point, the stakes get upped when a, a like barbed whip gets thrown down to, for, to, to be used. And uh, you know, and the music is actually kind of stir- emotionally stirring and the idea to even set this kind of scene with as like a musical set piece is i think actually inspired um but then you get into mm-hmm. you know raju gets you know ultimately chooses to face off against the british even before he sees his plan to completion because it's just not worth it you know to see the evil inflicted on his closest friend and beyond that the you know uh the flashbacks that actually kind of tell the story of how he became the revolutionary that he is. Um, I, I think that it actually all does kind of in the start in stark relief, show you the need to get rid of this evil on the land. Yeah. I'm fair. Like I'm, I'm thinking of like, I'm contrasting with like movies that have played it in a way more possibly depressing way, which isn't to say that one approach is better or worse, but like I, I can't remember if you've seen this, but the wind that shakes the barley, which is I like, have, I saw that when I was like twelve and didn't like it. But that's dour. That is a dour movie. I can see you like seeing it like now and like not liking it, but it handles it in a way that is I, not better or worse than RRR. And you know, especially because they're different revolutions and everything. And, Are, you know, uh, would you would you say that you think that the kind of genre sentiment sensibilities of the film, the fact that it is an action movie, kind of mean that the action has a little bit less weight, especially considering how you know super heroic these characters are, how larger than life? I possibly, should say. I almost, I almost like would like say that about like the pace. I didn't mind that much action. I wanted, especially in the latter half, I wanted more. It's almost like okay, I was very entertained by the movie I saw, and I did really like it. To be clear, I really liked it. It was like, it was just outside my top 25. I mean, it was like, yeah, 26 or 27. Like I knocked it off after I saw uh, 3,000 years of longing. But um, just like I would have shown more restraint and I would have made, just outright made being the protagonist. And I would have made Arnold Raju sort of like, I do, I like the flashbacks, but I don't know. I like something in the 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 way that like Raju really approaches sort of uh Raju wanting to like like trying to persuade Beam for a while and then like you know it's it's very cliche and it's a cliche that doesn't land with me and it's maybe the only sort of part or like click in the movie that doesn't land with like that doesn't you know that it's like it's almost like a it doesn't sour the rest of the movie but it's like one ongoing part where like I wish this was more like the first half like I wish this put more weight into like submit it this way 
I feel like Roger really did, really did well with Beam. I don't think to the point that where I wish either Roger, I wish Roger's story was told more like Beam, like he was shown as a little more connected to India just outside of like colonialism necessarily. Like I think there's a lot of value in showing India that is like both bo in showing India that is both a product of and connected to India outside of colonialism, which is why I think that um, All That Breathes from this year was like a really terrific movie. It's a, it's a documentary about birds. So, you know, holy <laughs> it's, it's I, from the little specific. bit I saw, I did quite like. Oh yeah. It features a, a, a man gently washing a baby hawk, which is like, like crack for like me and you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing. My counterpoint to that is that, I mean, the fact is that Raju is playing a counterpoint to be, whereas beam is sort of a native son kind of like at the start of the film and continues that throughout um raju is sort of had to compromise himself in order to meet that goal he's become sort of that urbanized sort of like model minority in a way uh it is just a front but he he you know he has to adopt that and adopt those sort of sensibilities and sort of steal himself away from his traditional culture in order to kind of pass and achieve his goal. But toward the end of the film, he kind of, you know, adopts the kind of more traditional implements that he, you know, I, I think he, he, if I'm not mistaken, he actually abandons guns and starts just using a bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, you know, like I, I think that it is thematically more resonant that he is different than beam uh in kind of like a design and in uh characterization yeah i mean i i i i, I really appreciated them uh both as characters anyway uh regardless and i was just it, it, it they're they were both great but I, I in some ways i actually think i might have even been just like uh even more taken with ram Sharan's performance as raju like it just um I don't know. I, I don't know. Something about it. Something about him felt like really magnetic in a way where he like held the screen, even if like he was having to play it more stoically in emotions close to the vest. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that is. I think it, it was like a more challenging performance in the mm -hmm. sense that he has to play. Uh, I mean, they both kind it's of. A, have it's to a performance play within a performance within a performance. Correct. Literally. Correct. Even though Beam also has to play sort of like the role of like the kind of like you know humble bumpkin. But it hides like the the steely resolve that he has. Um, I, I think that Rom is like in being like a you know a warm. He he presents himself as like a warm, affable sort of guy. But he's also like a secret triple agent. You know, there, there's I think a little more layers to that performance. Daniel, any other final thoughts on RR you want to get out before you wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, it, in a way, even though we've talked about it for like I think like two hours now, I I. I still feel like I could never do it justice. Like mm -hmm. I really did. I was a really powerfully affected by the film as just a sort of like, this is what cinema should be cinematic capital C cinematic experience. I saw it three times in theaters. Um, I wish it was longer. I wish that I had been able to see it more times in theater. I got a friend out of it. Like I've said before in the podcast, like I, I met somebody at the, third screening that I went to and we started talking and now we've become very, very close friends. It is a film that for the nine hours that I spent with it in theaters in 2022, it was nine of the best hours of my life in 2022. Like I, I do love this film. I recognize the problematic politics 
Um, I think that they are deserving of attention. I think that people should um, grapple with what the film is and where it stands in like the Indian consciousness and how it reflects current politics in India. I think that we've talked about like how it, you know, adopts Hindu mythology, but it also sort of plays into the Hindu nationalism that is going on in India, which I <laughs> am not qualified to speak on, mm-hmm. but um, you know, it is something to contend with, but at the same time, the moment I see these two men hop on each other's shoulders, pick up two goddamn bolt action rifles and start wielding it akimbo. Like I, I think it's just, it just everything else falls away and it just becomes art. I, I love this film and I cannot recommend it enough. Arjun, any other final thoughts on RRR before we wrap this thing up? I don't want to say like, I think, I do want to say, I think the clone, like, or a little bit about the problematic politics. I like, I don't think, obviously it's silly to like quantify these things and like make like, you know, oppression Olympics kind of like about what is more problematic than one, like what else. But even though the movie has problematic politics, I think a, they definitely don't sink the movie. Like the movie is still a very, at the end of the day, a very powerful anti-colonialist, you know, it kind of treats Bean like weirdly, but then like it's, it's or like badly, but it's, it's not, these aren't separate from the way, like, I think this movie is, miles better than for example green book miles better than you know any mcu movie is about the military um this movie certainly has a sort of like awareness about it more than i think the people who are dismissing it for its politics are getting it like credit for and i think there are a couple of movies this year that made me sort of have faith in the idea that like stories can come from anywhere and like rr is one of them um, like you know there are endlessly new stories to tell even if they're just literally adapting old ones like RRR or like Living which was literally adapting an old script and turned out fantastic so oh yeah um, it's um, you know it's it's I think RRR is a powerful movie just yeah on its own on on its own merits and those merits far surpass you know the the stuff about the problematic politics it is a movie that is definitely a, one level above a typical like masala movie or action movie I think it's it's sincerely on its own very good I will say there was one movie that made me walk out of the movies last year and just think to myself, cinema. And that was this one. And that's about that. that that's the note I will end on. Uh, Daniel, any other recommendations you want to make for the listeners before uh, before we sign off? Well, like I said, I'm not a huge scholar of Indian cinema, but I do want to. I've recommended it before on the podcast, Chalet. Mm. which is the uh, 1975 film that's sort of a loose retelling of like the the Magnificent Seven, but it's a it's a curry restaurant, I think is the term. I believe that in the 70s, there was a spat of like, you know, uh, Indian films that borrow Western organography. It's two outlaws who are hired by a former policeman to protect the town from a bandit. Again, you've got the musical numbers, you've got the action set pieces, you have two best friends, and you just love to see their relationship. And it, it is genuinely like just a beautiful film in every way. I really was taken by it. You can find it on uh, Amazon for rent. Um, although I think it's like the 3d re-release that came out in like 2012. Um, also Ega, which was the 2012 film by SS Rajamuli. Also, I recommended this on the podcast. Um, it was a, a, a man uh, who is poor, loves this woman, a rich man loves this woman, but is jealous of the poor man. So he has him killed. The poor man comes back to life as a fly and swears revenge. It is every bit as bomb, even though it's a fly 
trying to kill a man. <laughs> it is every bit the action showcase that RRR is. It's super fun. There's some fun music. And it just shows, again, the command of film craft that SS Rajamuli has. I still need to get to his Bahubali films, which are also on Netflix, as is RRR, I should point out, even if it's just the Hindu dub. And, and I should also say Dawn, which is another Amitabh Bakshan movie um, in which um, a ruthless gangster gets killed. And then they they find like a country boy who looks exactly like him. And uh, they recruit him to kind of play the uh, the killed mafia boss and like get info on the other criminals. It is, yeah, just a lot of fun, some good action. Uh, uh, I would recommend that. And finally, not at all related to the topic in question, but William Somerset Monog or whatever his name is, that author is quickly mm-hmm. becoming one of my favorites because I read uh, his 800 page of human bondage a couple of years back in like two days and absolutely loved it. And right now I am reading uh, the moon and sixpence, which is a, uh, a, a sort of like biographical book by proxy in which, you know, it tells the story of this guy, Harry Strickland, who at the age of 40 leaves his family to become an author, a painter. And it's based, I think, vaguely on the life of a real life French painter called, I think, Gauguin or something like that. Uh, I'm not very, I'm not very cultured. Oh, based on, I didn't know that. It's based on Paul Gauguin's life. Yeah. Uh, vaguely, as far as I know, I, I don't know the full one details. One of Van Gogh's final friends or like one of Van Gogh's like last friends. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But like, yeah. And it's just, it, it's so full of life. And it's so fresh, even though this book was written, like, I think 1919, it feels so modern, uh, the sensibilities of its characters and such. Like, you know, it's clear that he's pulling not only from, uh, you know, Galgan's life, but like his own life. And in a way that is showing a lot of a lot of (laughs) a lot of cynicism about the things and people that he he met. It is just genuinely just such a refreshing read. It's funny. And it comments on what is the point of life? Uh, how do we find purpose in you know in our existence? Is it worthwhile to take a break from the you know daily realities in order to chase our so-called dreams? Like I, I I've just really affected by it. I'm like halfway through it, and I, I can't recommend it enough. I it's my favorite thing that I've read in a long time. All right, good recommendation. Uh, Arjun, anything you've read or watched recently you want you would like to plug? Um, I have been watching Taskmaster Series 14. <laughs> Surprisingly <laughs> fantastic. John Kearns is um, one of the most pathetic men alive in the best <laughs> way. That's a show it's, I still need to see. It's uh, oh, you. I think you'd like Taskmaster. It is literally comedians being assigned to do stupid tasks. If this is if anyone who's listening hasn't watched Taskmaster and you think you might like comedians being assigned to do pointless tasks over and over again and they mess it up repeatedly then give it a try because it is um my favorite season daniel is the one with bob mortimer on it um Be- i mean yeah, that's he, how you sell me oh yeah he is as fantastic he is so weird he is as fantastic as you would expect as being assigned to do like there's the task which is dress a coconut up as a businessman and he uh and other people like give it a tie and stuff and bob mortimer makes a video that just has multiple other fruit saying what occupations they are and ends with the coconut screaming, and I'm a fucking businessman. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, I love um, Bob. Bob is the best. Bob is fantastic. Um, yeah. And um, 
Taskmaster Series 14. It's all on YouTube. You should watch it. I will recommend an Indian movie for people if you want to get into Indian cinema, but hated RRR, which I don't think, you know, RRR is Hey, Josh Brown, listen up. If you've gotten this far, Joel Cohen, and you wanted a movie that is an Indian movie that is almost the polar opposite of RRR, I would give a photograph a try, which is from 2019. Really beautifully... I, the thing that caught my eye most was the coloring in this movie. It's absolutely beautiful. It's um, the sort of, I wouldn't say it's slow, but it's like, it's paced quite like, you know, almost like con- like like a conversation in pace. Like it's, you know, people, it, it feels very familiar. You feel so familiar with the people in it already. It's like, it feels lived in right from the moment it starts. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's about a guy who takes photographs in Bombay and who befriends this sort of, daughter of a rich family and it's sort of um it's not really about much more than that it's about it's not really like a romance movie or like a, a comedy it has bits of all of them and sort of bits of none of them it's quite a special i recently added it to my top 100 that's why i'm talking about it um, and uh i recently also saw, saw satya jeet ray's maybe the most celebrated indian director uh the home in the world based on a Rabindranath Tagore novel, another anti-colonial sort of author. And also really excellent. Um, if you like sort of like saga filmmaking, like stuff like Moonlight or like The Home in the World might be great for you. Or might be, you know, awful for you, Daniel. But <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm willing to give anything a shot. I I, I should say, have, uh, are you familiar with this filmmaker Deepa Donraj? No. So I'm only bringing this up. I have not seen any of her films, but she has eight documentaries now on the Criterion channel. And she is a uh, she was a feminist documentary filmmaker who um, dealt with a lot of, you know, social issues, um, you know, like on uh, women dealing with like family planning policies of the government that kind of amounted to um, sterile, like uh, like um, what's it called? Population control campaigns um, against the poor. Uh, Deepa Donraj. She's a woman who, as far as I know, doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Um, she has these eight documentaries. She did a documentary on this uh, lower case, this boy in like, two, two, I think 2004, who uh, committed suicide after experiencing like a lot of discrimination uh, due to his, uh, I think, local advocacy um she did a documentary on um i think it's called something like a war uh which is on um uh riots that happened between uh lowercase and uppercase and uh hindu and muslim people in uh, hyperabad i think is the name of the city which is the home of if i'm not mistaken the telugu film industry i don't know oh i don't i, I thought you were, i don't know the film industry because hyderabad is not let me let me let me look that up and i will Get back to you while you're yeah well yeah. I, may, I may or may not be right but like i will i just pointing her out because like it sounds like she's doing like important very rich work uh and i'm oh, very excited movie. to go yeah i'm very excited to look up um these films and i think that anyone who is interested in the i guess pro- more problematic elements of rrr i think probably these seem like a good place to start because she does a lot of documentaries that explore caste in india All right uh, I don't have anything to recommend because I had a wedding last weekend and didn't watch anything other than Shazam Fury of the Gods, which I cannot recommend. So, uh, <laughs> uh, that, Did you have the theater to yourself? Uh, no, there was, it was probably like it was the IMAX theater there at my theater. And it was like me and like, I don't know, maybe 15 other people. So not oh, best, wow. It's a, a packed so, house for Shazam too. On like, on like a Sunday night <laughs> showing. So not great, Bob. Um, 
Yeah, as usual, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterbox at Josh Renovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. Uh, podcast Twitter is at Real Movie Pod. Podcast email is RealMoviePod at gmail.com. You can follow Daniel on Letterbox at Felonious Funk. Uh, Arjun, I can't remember. Do you like promoting any social media on here? Because you don't really have um, a, a real yes, active Letterbox. Twitter and uh, my Letterbox, which I only used to, for lists, are both just probably Arjun. Um there you go. So it might be him, might not be. So. Me on this family trip about if I have an Instagram, I may get an Instagram. Stay oh, tuned. please do. Because genuinely, um, I post on my stories exclusively uh, videos of me petting the random stray cats that stay around my house and <laughs> uh, film memes. So I, and I, I feel weird about sending you every single thing. And I think you would like every single thing. So Ooh, please okay. get an Instagram just to look at my story. Okay uh there we go so uh you can uh you can you can you can probably find uh daniel on instagram if you want then to for some cat content no none of you none of you guys none of you guys it's just arjun okay that's why that's why i didn't actually give you a handle i didn't know if you actually were inviting that or not but you're giving arjun the hard sell on giving you one more follower uh so uh, (laughs) i want to thank i want to thank arjun and daniel again for joining me to talk about my favorite movie of 2022 which i mean i might not have been as uh articulate on it as i would have liked because i just i just love it that much i find it hard to talk about something that like i feel that strongly about i mean it was the if we hadn't done this i guess it might have been the first time since i've been doing the podcast that we hadn't done an episode on my favorite movie of the year so in that sense i'm glad daniel made me do it but like i think it speaks to how much just how much i like it that like i just i feel like i had trouble talking about it guys i, I just i love it that much it's hard to really wrap my head around and i i was kind of the same way like early on in COVID, i did it had adam and kale on for a podcast about short term 12 which is like one of my favorite movies but like honestly i did I, it's one i've like recommended to so many people i'm happy to always talk about it but like, i don't know, i just like i was just i felt like i was like blubbering for half the time which i felt like it was today too but i was glad to have both of your insights here as well have uh we might have one other uh 2022 release coming for you uh stay tuned for that in the rest of the new 2023 releases we'll see you next time